It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, June 11th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. The city is cracking down on overnight trailer parking at Crescent Harbor and on trailered boats that overstay the 10-day limit at Sealing Cove Harbor. The Sitka Assembly has passed on first reading a revision to parking rules that is intended to give the Harbor Department more tools to prevent the unpermitted storage of trailers and boats in public parking areas. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Currently, the launch ramp and parking at Crescent Harbor is for day use only, and trailers can't be parked overnight there. Sealing Cove has designated parking for vehicles with trailers in a three-day area and a 10-day area. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it approved changes to the Port and Harbor's code. According to the revised language, anyone who wants to park a trailer with a boat on it overnight in the Sealing Cove parking lot has to have the permission of the Harbor Department first. The revised code language also bans parking trailers overnight in the Crescent Harbor parking lot. Commercial use of the parking lot is allowed only with a permit issued by the Harbor Department. Sitka Police Chief Robert Beatty said the department fields regular complaints about access to the parking lots and ramps. He said the policy changes were intended to make sure the lots were more accessible for the general public. So one or two or three individuals aren't the one, the sole benefactors of either leaving trailers unattended and, and uh, they become an issue or their boats or for that matter, even businesses. Um, because when a third of the general public's uh, parking spaces are taken for those, it's not really promoting that, that flow that I think was the intent of, of the city's mission to provide this service to the public. During public comment, business owner John Dunlap, who owns Sitka Sound Ocean Adventures, said he uses the boat launch in Crescent Harbor parking lot for staging his sea kayaking business. He worried that the new rules could force him to close up shop. But it concerns me that it, it, the existence of what I'm doing now becomes at the discretion of the, the Harbor Department to whether I can continue to function. It's, it seems very tenuous to me that I'm, I'm depending on the good graces of the Harbor Department to keep running a business that's run for 25 years here. But Assemblymember Tor Christensen said he thought it was good to lay out some defined rules for businesses that are using the launch or parking lots. I, I don't think it's unreasonable that when you, if you want to run a, a business on public property that you get a permit. Uh, we're not even talking about charging. And without having that permit, there's no way to lay out the, all right, here are the ground rules. And I don't think that there would be an issue with our Harbor Department figuring out a way to make it work for you. Assemblymember Rebecca Hemshute asked if the proposed rules were practical, if, for instance, someone's trailer broke down on Saturday and couldn't be moved, and if the Harbor Master's office was closed. Assistant Harbor Master Jeremiah Johnson responded that someone was available seven days a week in his office, and they were happy to field requests like this. He said that if the code were updated, new signs would direct harbor users to ask for the required permission to overstay the rules. The written permission, in this case, would be a note entered into the daily log of the harbor department. The assembly approved the revisions to the harbor's parking policy on first reading, with members Crystal Duncan and Valerie Nelson opposed. Both preferred to see the ordinance reviewed by the Port and Harbors Commission prior to another assembly vote. Reporting in Sitka with help from Catherine Rose, I'm Robert Woolsey.
A section of land along the Lemon Creek side of Thunder Mountain in Juneau has been identified as a potential landslide hazard. KTOO's Bridget Dowd reports. Juneau Emergency Programs Manager Tom Matisse and his team gathered in the parking lot of Zonta Kahini Middle School to share their findings. For starters, Matisse says there's no immediate danger. But I think it's just important to recognize we found some obvious signs and, and we have some ways to start to track those. Matisse says they're examining cracks in the landscape, places where the mountain has sagged, and they plan to measure those over time. We want to know how active the concern is. If we went up and looked at those cracks in the mountainside this year and they were six inches apart and we came back six months later and they were six feet apart, we would know that we had a really active concern. The team used a combination of light detection and ranging, or LIDAR data, and pictures of the landscape to identify the area as a hazard. Matisse says he's hoping the general public will also help them keep an eye on it through what he called citizen science. People that are looking at these things, people that are hiking in the mountains and paying attention, if they see obvious gaping cracks opening up in places, maybe they'll bring them to our attention. Geologist Brettwood Higman is part of the research team. He owns a small nonprofit called Ground Truth Alaska, which aims to educate others on Alaska's natural resource issues. Last year, Higman helped identify an area of land that could potentially crash into Barry Arm of Prince William Sound, northeast of Whittier, Alaska. One of the things that jumped out when we were looking at that is it's a super obvious instability. It's something that any geologist could have identified. You don't need much expertise. And yet, even though thousands of people visit that area, nobody had noticed it. Higman says that was a red flag and a sign that maybe researchers needed to spend a little more time looking for the obvious. That's what prompted him to identify other sites like this one. Unfortunately, Matisse says even with careful tracking, an extreme rain event or earthquake could cause an unpredicted landslide at any time. What I would say after my walk today is that if it's been raining for the last two weeks and it's an earthquake longer than 20 seconds and you live at the bottom of a mountain, you should probably go somewhere else. And even if they get a pretty good idea of when the slide is coming, Higman says there's no way to prevent it from happening. Sometimes people say, oh, can we just go and like, if we know it's going to fall anyway, let's just let it loose right now so at least we know when it's going to happen. Maybe we can do it in little pieces. It's not, there isn't really a do way to do that. That means with the exception of being 100% evacuated, there's no way to prevent damage or loss. In Juneau, I'm Bridget Dowd. June is Pride Month, a time when the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community honors its history and identity. It's held every June to commemorate the 1969 Stonewall Riots, which marked a turning point in the gay liberation movement. Petersburg is celebrating with an art exhibit this week at the Claussen Museum. The exhibit, titled You Are Beautiful Like a Rainbow, includes paintings, sculptures, and digital art. Katie Anastas has the story. Annette Bennett created two pieces of art for this year's exhibit. One is a painting of a rain cloud, with pink, purple, and blue raindrops. It's a new take on the bisexual pride flag. Some people might think rain is sad, um, but I actually really love the rain. And so to me, it's like a happy rainstorm. But it also is kind of about how being bi, you can sometimes feel like you're not seen in a lot of ways. That desire for more visibility pushed Bennett to organize a Pride art exhibit for the first time in 2019. The show was put on hold last year because of the pandemic. But this year, the Klassen Museum and WAVE brought it back, putting up rainbow flyers around town to raise awareness and call for art submissions. Bennett hopes the show reminds LGBT people, especially young people, that Petersburg supports them. I know that 
whether people realize it or not, the impact is there. Even seeing the poster up around town makes a difference. I mean, it really can be life-saving just to know that someone out there is behind you and supports you through whatever you're going through. It's a big deal. Cindy Lagadakis helped curate the exhibit. She said the art reflects a range of experiences in the community. There's some beautiful pieces there and some really heartfelt emotion and a couple things that really make you stop and think, life has been tough for some people and it it shouldn't have to be. We should love one another and respect one another. One of those pieces is right at the start of the exhibit. It's a burnt orange brick with a note tied to it that reads, The first pride was a riot. Pride Month is in June in honor of the Stonewall Riots, a series of clashes between gay and trans people and the police in New York City in June 1969. Lagadakis put the brick at the front of the exhibit to remind viewers of that history. This is why we're doing the show. You know, to say that the first Pride event was a riot um, really makes you stop and think. There are about a dozen works in the exhibit this year. Lagadakis hopes they remind LGBT people that they're welcome. I think it's really important to celebrate all parts of our community. There are lots of folks that feel like they haven't been included in the general community conversation. And we're all a part of a bigger whole. We all make Petersburg what it is. You Are Beautiful Like a Rainbow will be on display at the Klassen Memorial Museum through Saturday, June 12th. In Petersburg, I'm Katie Anastas. For the first time in nearly 15 months, Juno's Chamber of Commerce met for lunch in person. McHugh Pierre is president and CEO of Gold Belt Incorporated. He's also on the Chamber of Commerce board. He said the board decided to host an in-person lunch after looking at the community's vaccination level. Just over 60% of the total population is fully vaccinated. Pierre said meeting with more than 50 other people at the Elizabeth Paradovich Hall on Thursday is a kind of reward for community members. But it was also a little awkward. I think you definitely see people trying to get used to engaging, even in this relationship, right? To see a reporter and work, you know, close contact, it's great. But a lot of people are unsure. Sometimes people don't know if they want to fist bump or shake hands or hug. And, and I think really it's out of respect. It's respect for their friends and neighbors to make sure that they don't um, step over someone's boundary um, you know, inadvertently. Congressman Don Young was the featured speaker, but he only spoke for about five and a half minutes. I was an old school teacher, you know, the attention span of a fifth grader is five minutes. You know, the attention span of adults is four. (laughs) Young spent about a half an hour taking questions about everything from energy and mining to tourism to the job market and locally grown foods. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. Good morning.